Welcome to the fifth episode of Future on the Fly. Today I am joined by Austin Brooks, Executive Director at Midland Institute of Entrepreneurship. In the past, he has held positions as a producer and manager at various companies. He attended college for cinema, television, and business, but dropped out to pursue a job offer. What did your day-to-day activities look like as a content producer? Yeah, so I've had a couple different jobs in the um, content creation space. I think the one that I'm most proud of, just because I so believe in the company still, there's a company based out of St. Louis, Missouri called Once Films. And it's like once, like once upon a time. And their tagline is they believe that every great story starts with once. And the owner of that company, his name's Chris Ryan. He's still um, one of the best, I think, creative minds on the planet to this date. But um, I was a content producer or I was just a producer for their company. And we did um, uh, documentary style stories for brands and um, individuals all over the country. So as producer, I would always tell people that I was the general contractor of story. So if you wanted to construct a story or um, communicate uh, an idea or, you know, train a group or have some creative visual narrative, um, we could tell that story for you. And so as a producer, I would help kind of frame up the plan. And then the amazing Once Films team would go in and shoot and edit and, um, you know, craft all the deliverables. What did you do as lead production manager at Event Video Company? Sure. So uh, Event Video Company is an organization or a company that doesn't exist anymore, um, but we called it EVC. And it was started, um, I think, out of the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, but basically, it was a, an organization that would cover um, high-end figure skating events or equestrian events nationwide. And so this goes back well over a decade ago, but the company when they were founded were kind of cutting edge in their ability to live stream an event. Um, So, you know, we would have to build the crews around the country wherever these, um, you know, national or statewide skate competitions would happen. And so um, I, on the day-to-day would, uh, hire and book the crews for upcoming events. And then when the events were actually taking place, I would go or have a, um, an event manager that would make sure that the recordings would go off without a hitch and that they would be streamed live. Um, and then we would also sell the individual heats or uh, competitions of skaters for coaches and parents to buy. So we actually, as a company, would double dip and monetize not only selling it to a network, but we would sell it to the coaches. And it was a, a profitable but a very time-consuming operation and I wasn't in that job extremely long um, but since this is kind of an advice podcast and I really love the the concept of you know for young um, developing professionals um, as they are figuring out their own path and their own journey um, you know I was at a stage in my career where I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, I had went to college for cinema and television, um, so I had did have a background in production. I'd worked for a TV station for three years, um, actually my high school years, but it was a college um, um, WAIU, so I'd been around production. But what I want to point out about the story is I was working a job before I started at EVC I didn't love, but I saw um, in the same office space that that job was um, 
located, I saw EVC on the door. And so I simply knocked on the door. And if I would have been too afraid or didn't walk through that door, I never would have met the president of this organization who became um, not only my boss, my friend, um, and then there's someone I still talk to this day, even though we both don't work for even a video company. What do your activities look like in your current position from Midland Institute? Yeah, so my current role at Midland Institute is I am the community engagement leader. Um, and so real quick, if you don't know what Midland Institute for Entrepreneurship is, we are a nonprofit that teaches high school juniors and seniors how to start and operate their own business. And so it's a year-long curriculum that um, high schools around the country will install, um, ultimately to get kids in this entrepreneurial mindset and starting an actual business at a high school level. So it's, it's a, a curriculum that's sweeping the nation. Um, you know, we've got programs in six states that hundreds of high schools have um, installed what we call the CEO program. And so I joined the Midland Institute team about three years ago, and my goal was to help um, communities um, launch this curriculum in their schools. And the reason I say communities instead of a school district is because um, our curriculum is different than any other curriculum out there. I mean, there's a lot of awesome entrepreneurship classes or curriculums that can be um, implemented in a school district, but ours is different because we it's a community driven model. So we want students who go through the CEO learning environment to be able to be immersed in their community and to learn from the, the leaders that are actually, if, if a student needs to learn about like financial literacy, well, the best way for them to learn is to actually spend time with experts of local bankers or CPAs you know, or people who are in that space every day. And so our hope is that throughout this year long curriculum, students actually have 30 to 50 business visits or 30 to 40 guest speakers in come in contact with their class. Also, while they have this project based learning where they build their own individual business and a class business as a team. And so uh, my role has been kind of in, or just challenging, inspiring communities that you can do this and really showing them how we do it. So even though my current role has been to launch new programs, I'm actually transitioning in role. I'll become the executive director of Midland Institute um, this year. And it's definitely a unique year to kind of transition uh, in leadership, but it's been something we've been working towards um, well over the last year. And both my mentors and Craig Limval, uh, even before he passed away, was helping with this transition. And then the current president of Midland Institute, Donnie Wilson, um, who's also been a mentor of mine, um, you know, it's when an organization shifts leadership, it always um, takes time. And I, I, I think I've been amazed because even going through college in my younger years, not really knowing how much goes into a good leadership transition. And so I'm lucky that Midland Institute has a really great board and two very experienced or very experienced people kind of at the helm that know how to transition this well. And, you know, I, I think I've got asked quite a bit, you know, how do I feel about taking the reins of such a important organization that's having such a huge impact on the current state of education, um, but also young entrepreneurial minds. Um, for me, um, it's equally equal parts amazing and exciting, but also scary. And, you know, I think any good endeavor or job that you face, um, you know, if it doesn't scare you a little bit, then it might not be the right job for you. And so I have a immense amount of confidence because there's such an amazing team in place. Um, there's, a, there's been, you know, this team that we've assembled that, you know, serves all of our amazing programs nationwide. Um, you know, the fact that they're here and they're experts in their field uh, gives me a lot more confidence as, you know, we step into this next unique season of, um, you know, teaching students, um, even maybe in even more of a virtual context of how to, um, you know, take on the future and build um, extraordinary businesses. 
What was your experience in college like? And do you believe that a college degree is necessary for success? Yeah, so this is a super loaded question for me. And I think, you know, the answer is different based on who you talk to. But for me, I think it's kind of ironic that I work in education and I run a nonprofit education company, but I'm a college dropout. So I, I do just want to start and go on record by saying that I, I don't have an undergrad degree. Um, now, I did go to college. Um, I went to three different schools and I pursued um I actually originally wanted to be a teacher because having, um, I had two world-class educators in high school and Craig Linval and another gentleman by the name of Joe Fothery. And they were, you know, they changed my life. Um, I think a lot of times people will go to school go through school and not even have an educator that they connect with. I mean, hopefully there's at least one or two over a K through 12 experience. But fortunately, both of these guys I had um, from my freshman to senior year of high school. And so I heavily considered becoming a teacher um, and not to poo-poo on that profession because I have an immense uh, respect for people who work in education. But just my young adolescent, you know, 18, 19-year-old uh, Austin mind said, I want to make money. If you go to education, there's, you can't make a lot of money. And so I um, pivoted more towards the business side. Um, but my first love in um, the business world was filmmaking and storytelling. And so my, the degrees that I pursued were cinema television, but I had a business management um, minor or a business leadership minor. And so that's what I pursued, um, you know, at the two universities I went to. Um, but I started out at Lakeland College. I went to a community college for the first year just to, you know, get my gen eds out because I think even as a high school or early college student, I realized there's a lot of schools I can go to and get into, but I knew I was going to have to pay for it at some point. And I love the idea of being able to just write a check each semester for my education. And so I think my whole career, I was very much focused on the debt I would obtain by going to these schools because I was having to pay for it myself. And so that would be my advice to any young person. As you're considering this, if you don't have parents helping you, um, you know, you might be able to get some financial aid, which definitely look into that. Good schools will help walk you through that. But really think about the other side because you've got to pay for this debt at some point. And so even though I'm a college dropout, I'm happy to say I have no student loans. And, uh, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time, how the fact that neither of us have student loans, how we've been able to do so much more in life financially. Um, and it set us up so much better because we didn't have that pressure breathing down their neck. And I look at friends who got really good educations, but I mean, they're seriously going to be in debt for the next 10 to 15 years or, and it's going to feel like they're never going to be able to get out of it. So I would just really think about, you know, what you're paying and how much you're paying. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the, the good question that you've asked is, is a college degree necessary? And I think, people way wiser than me have obviously made the statement that like if you're a lawyer or a healthcare professional or an engineer, I, I would agree that it's a no brainer that an education makes sense for you. Um, but for many other industries, um, you know, I personally value experience over education. So I've been a hiring manager in past jobs and um, for different industries. And, you know, a college degree was not always the most important thing I look for. And I think the skills that you choose to develop, whether you go to college or not, um, will definitely have an impact on your future. But for me, college was kind of an equation. I'm going to college to ultimately get a job, right? I'm going to college to, you know, because I like cinema television to have access to gear. And then I'm going to college ultimately to build a network and make connections. And what I realized with my personal skill set, I'm a people person, I've never met a stranger, I can make connections regardless if I was paying 30 or $32,000 a year. 
So I didn't necessarily need college for connections, even though it helps many people. Um, you know, uh, as far as the gear, I realized I could get gear other places besides just paying a university to have access to it. And then ultimately it came down to, I had a job offer um, before I finished my undergrad. And this was the type of job offer that I wanted, you know, this is where I wanted to go. And so I ended up running a nonprofit for three and a half years right out of high school or out of college. Um, so I dropped out to take that job and ultimately continue to pursue experience over education. Um, and so, you know, that's my personal story, my journey. I don't, you know, um, I see how college does do it does help many people who you know go through goes through what they offer but I also don't think it's for everyone so I would just encourage you know students that are considering to make sure they understand the full picture of what they're doing before they make that jump um, and I'm surprised by how many students will pick schools and go without ever being on a campus so I always um, respect when students have actually toured campuses and put the time in before they make their choice and understand really what's going to happen in that you know um, college culture so yeah that's my short answer to your question how has failure been important to your career success so I think failure is an important part of anyone's development, no matter what part they are in their career. I think even the most successful people um, still still fail. And you know, I, I you know, all the successful people I've worked around and observed over the years, what they do when they fail is really what makes them great. And so I think that is. It kind of sounds cliche. That's nothing. That's not new information. But for me personally. Um, thinking about when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 in, in high school, um, or even my, you know, time college years, my early 20s, um, I don't know that I knew how to do my best work. And one thing that my mentor, Craig Limbaugh, said is he always wanted to challenge students to figure out how they could learn how to do their best work. And having went through kind of his learning environments um, as a high school kid, um, sometimes you don't know what you're capable of doing or achieving. And so, you know, with any project you do in school or, you know, side hustle or summer job, um, all of those are opportunities for you to learn what you are capable of. And I think there's a, a couple mindsets that conflict and one I kind of really clearly want to uh, poo-poo on today, which is, you hear this idea that someone's a try hard or, you know, back in my day in school, they were a brown noser if they really like, you know, um, you know, overly, um, um, you know, kissed up to teachers or whatever. Um, but <clears throat> I feel like that, um, even though sometimes people would do that from a manipulative standpoint and that's wrong. Um, I think to be a try hard is actually super important. If you figure out those things that you're passionate about or that you're good at, um, learning how to put in your best effort is something that's really going to help you in your future. You know, and if I even look at this coming from like a hiring manager perspective, I love people who want to go over and beyond and um, put their best foot forward. And so I, th that's the real reason I kind of wanted to just challenge the, um, the belief of tryhards. There's no space for you in the world. I think tryhards are the people who, you know, run organizations. And so I think um, for any of your listeners that are thinking about what's next in their career, uh, whether they found their dream job um, or they're doing something really meaningful right now, or um, they're still kind of in school years is what, is a project you can work on or what is a job that you can really practice giving your best or giving your all. Um, even if the, in the short term, the returns aren't obvious, um, you learning how to 
give your best effort is something that will really, you know, that's more for you than anyone. And I will say, um, you know, in any job, if you don't have a great boss or a great work culture, you know, there, no one cares about your development as much as you. And so if you're not getting what you want, or if you feel like people aren't, you know, giving back for the effort you're putting in, um, throw that thought out. That doesn't matter. Um, you know, do your best no matter where you're at and how much it's valued. And obviously if, a work culture is not valuing you or if um, the job, you know, you don't feel like you're going to be there long term, still give it your best and give it your all because, you know, when you do find the right opportunity, you're going to want to know that you can do great things and have an impact um, for either that company um, that you work for or ultimately maybe it's even a venture you create on your own. And, you know, all my friends that are entrepreneurs and even the entrepreneurial endeavors I've had in my own life, um, entrepreneurship is not easy. And I think what I see from all of our CEO students nationwide is they realize that after taking this CEO year, um, you know, so often uh, young students, you know, um, they think uh, getting into uh, being an entrepreneur, you're going to make a ton of money, you're going to have a flexible schedule, you're going to be accountable to no one. But I think what, you know, um, anyone who's went through the CEO program or anyone who's been around entrepreneurs would say, being an op- entrepreneur, you're going to work long hours, you're going to, um, you're accountable to your customer, and you might not pay yourself um, for the first year or, so, or more of operation. So um, I think whatever effort um, you're putting in, um, whether it's been, um, you know, high school, college projects or first job, um, learning how to do your best and how to, um, you know, bounce back after failure. That's a big deal, big deal. And so for me on the personal failure side is, um, sometimes I just didn't do my best work. Um, and that would lead me to, you know, having a a mediocre, um, you know, offering or project. And that to me was failure. I wasn't giving it my all. And so, um, I think, my challenge of, you know, sometimes people aren't failing, they're just not giving it their all. Um, But, you know, failure will hit all of us. And I think, you know, how we bounce back is also a big part of that. And so I think even as I've got farther into my career, I still make mistakes to this day. But I think being a genuine and authentic person and being able to be able to say to a team, you know, I messed up or that wasn't the right decision for this time. um, People respect that. And, um, you know, there's the old adage, you want to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Um, you know, I try to treat my team with the same, you know, way that I want to be responded to if, uh, when I mess up, because, you know, we all mess up. If you look at a calendar year, you know, we're all going to have some doozies, um, in terms of mistakes that we make. But if you build, if you're in the right, um, work culture, build the right culture, you know, failure can be something that is, um, overcome and understood. Um, but also moved past because if you, you know, the real failure is if you don't get better the second time around or when you have a chance to actually improve and fix um, that situation. So yeah, great question. What advice do you have for a young audience? So I think the best advice I can give uh, to young professionals today is understand the value of a relationship. And I think you're going to hear more and more people in your life um, say this. I'm sure you've already heard it a lot. Um, But my spin on this is um, I see, you know, your current generation, even students that are younger in schools today, um, sometimes they're afraid to like stick their neck out and be like, and go talk to someone, right? Uh, Because there's a big difference um, between like, um, sending someone like a DM or like a, a email or just knowing someone virtually. And there's a lot big, um, 
you know, asking someone to like grab coffee or like, um, you know, like jump on a zoom call, like though taking the effort to like ask someone to spend time with you and, um, you know, in either a mentorship relationship or even the interviewing process, like that is a scary uh, proposition to stick yourself, your neck out there and go interview, um, just to interview. And so I actually always encourage young people in the interview process, like as you're trying to find that right job, interview you more than you think you need to. Like, even if you're just kind of interested in a job, go through to a couple companies that maybe you don't love first, just so you can get good at the interview process. But, um, I want to get back to kind of the key, um, point here, which is, you know, who you know really matters. And, you know, all my awesome mentors that I've had over the years, you know, they challenged me to, um, you know, cultivate the skill of, you know, talking to extraordinary people. And I think those mentors saw that naturally I was wired. Like I, I am definitely fearless. Like I have never met a stranger. I will literally talk to anyone. Um, but what I've had to learn over the years is when is the right time to approach people? What's the right way to get their attention if they're a super busy, uh, you know, professional or super successful like leader in their industry. And there are so many good books out there you can read on this topic. Um, and so many, you know, I, I think this podcast will continue to have really great people that probably will speak to those methodologies. Um, one book I'll point out, um, I always love filmmaking and Brian Grazer is a producer I've respected for years and I've followed for a long time. And finally, a few years back, he released a book called A Curious Mind. And so he talks about his stories um, in the film and entertainment industry of, you know, how he built relationships from working in a mailroom to ultimately now, you know, being this executive producer on all the like coolest films and TV shows we watch. And so it's a really good read, highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, my encouragement to any listener is to know the value of your network and, you know, anytime you put into getting to know professionals and, you know, going to networking events or asking people to jump on Zoom calls for 30 minutes or an hour to pick their brain, if you can um, come up with good questions, if you can um, have good curiosity and take a genuine interest in them and also be able to be honest and tell how their perspectives or what you've seen them do have an impact on you personally. Um, I find those conversations, you can really build some depth with people that you might not think you're, you know, capable of having a relationship with early in your career. And I do find there's, uh, you know, a couple different types of successful people out there. Um, there are some people who are going to tell you, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time. Um, but there's going to be people who tell you, no, your whole life. So you need to learn to struggle it off quick. But the two different types of successful people I see one, there's people who, um, you know, they have done these amazing things, but they're not a very good teacher. Um, but the real successful people I've seen that are able to actually like share their knowledge and they want to give it back to others. Uh, those people are a little harder to find, but when you find them, they can really change your life. Um, and in just terms of their mentorship and what they can speak into your lives. And so luckily I've had many great mentors over the years and there's been seasons where I've forgot the value of mentorship and went away from that. But I would highly recommend two things. One is connect with awesome people. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with uh, people who are doing something that matters and are driven um, because that will rub off on you. But, um, you know, understand the value of mentorship. And, you know, maybe you will find a mentor that will just give you an hour. Uh, maybe you'll find a mentor that is willing to give you once a month for a year. But just start somewhere and don't be afraid to connect. And that's, I think, the best advice I can give today. A huge thank you to Mr. Brooks for his time and advice. Stay tuned for the next episode of Future on the Fly.